Welcome to E to the Power of Three, a podcast of Bridging the Gap, where our mission is to encourage, equip, and empower every woman on her faith journey with Jesus Christ. Today, we are honored to hear from author, speaker, and church planter, Pastor Peter Haas, as he has a conversation with our podcast host, McKelty Bloom. In this episode, you will hear Pastor Peter's powerful testimony of coming to Christ, how we can show the light of Jesus in all settings, and as they discuss his book, Broken Escalators, you will hear what it means to have true happiness. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Well, welcome, Pastor Peter, to Thank the podcast. You. What people don't know is we've already been talking for like 20 minutes. Oh, man, we should have just been podcasting <laughs> the whole time. Unbelievable. Oh, we should have. But I am so thankful and honored that you are sitting with me today. And I'm really excited just to hear more about you, more of your testimony. I've been attending Substance since October. So I've mm. got to see already your heart for people and your heart for the word of God. Mm. And I'm excited to hear more about you and about your book and well, we're gonna just talk about it all well let's dive in the yeah. deep end <laughs> so first introduce yourself for people who may not know you yeah so um i'm peter haas married to my fantastic wife carolyn haas and uh we've got three kids um two of them are in college my youngest is my son i've got two girls and then a boy my youngest is 16 and he's learning to drive oh, so wow. i'm stressed right now <laughs> um no but we uh we uh pastored in wisconsin for 10 years mm -hmm. and then 17 years ago planted substance in the twin cities area right in between 16 colleges and universities mm. and uh, have kind of grown this crazy arts oriented church yeah. ever since. And it's just been kind of a crazy ride, McKelty. Yeah. I mean, we're just, and I feel like we're just getting started, even mm. though we're 17 years old, we're, we're an awkward 17 year old ready to take <laughs> on the world. I mean, it's a great perspective to have is we're just getting started. Even yeah. if you're 20 years in, you're just getting started. Amen. <laughs> I love Amen. it. <laughs> well, that's I just so great. And you uh, mentioned a little bit, you were in Wisconsin yep. and is that where you grew up? Yep. Yeah. I grew up in Wisconsin, went to the university of Minnesota mm -hmm. for English and Hebrew, really functional oh. things, um, and then moved back to Wisconsin to uh, be a part of a, a church that was instrumental in our story and uh, took over a church, believe it or not, um, when we were 24, 25 years old. Wow. And wow. Uh, we're senior <laughs> pastors already, oh. and uh, we're in way over our heads. Mm -hmm. And then after we kind of logged a few years, we thought, now we know what kind of church we want to pastor. Mm, let's mm -hmm. let's let's go on the great adventure of church planting, and and that's what we did. So we, yeah. you know, gave birth to our three kids, uh, and uh, while planting, so it was exciting. That's a busy year. It that's is. Busy year. Well, one of my favorite parts of your testimony is that you say that God met you in a nightclub yeah. and you were a DJ. And yep. to be honest, I think that story and your testimony is what brings maybe a lot of people who have felt just not connected yep. to Christians who have, I like to say seasoned Christians, maybe who have yeah. been Christians their whole life. And yeah. there's just that connection there. So would you mind just walking me through your testimony? Oh yeah. So the, I didn't really, I mean, I, I grew up, going to a traditional Lutheran church, mm -hmm. um, but hated it, um, quit as soon as I could as a teenager. And, uh, uh, I was, I was the kid who is least likely to be into God. I'll say it that way. <laughs> and, uh, 
Um, yeah, believe it or not, I did give my life to Christ in a nightclub. I was a, I, I was an electronic dance music DJ, so I would tour all over with my turntables <laughs> and then produce music. So I, I actually, um, so music producer, it was music was my passion. And of course, the lifestyle kind of went along with it. Um, I was spiraling into drugs. I had a, you know, and, and again, I had no concept of God. I, I had Christians actually share Christ with me, but I was like weird, you know, mm -hmm. like I, I mean, I literally boasted at a party that I could talk anyone into depression because life has no meaning. Oh, wow. I literally <laughs> said that. I, I can't, oh. Looking back, it's almost, I think God actually heard me say that at a party. And he, he leaned over to an angel and he's like, you know, it would be really hilarious <laughs> is if I took that guy and made him a pastor. And then everybody in heaven started laughing and he's like, watch this. Watch, I'm going to do uh, it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, so that was, I'm pretty sure that happened. I, I have yet to hear exactly how that went down in heaven, but I, um, I, I was miserable. I was spiraling into drugs, um, depressed out of my mind. I started dating this girl who was a backslidden Christian named Carolyn, uh, who eventually became my wife. And Spoiler uh, alert. I know, right? <laughs> I know. But, uh, you know, she, she was at an all time low. Her, she had just found her father's body mm. after he had committed suicide mm. and it was really heavy. And, uh, and, and then that same week, this is right as I was starting to date her, uh, that same week, my good friend died in a car accident. And you know, when you see how fragile life is, you, yeah. you start to ask deeper questions. I realized that everything I had built my life upon, um, success, money, relationships was kind of crumbling and had no meaning in light of the fragility of life. And, um, I started asking deeper questions and I, I remember um, someone telling me, well, Peter, you know, you should ask Jesus to reveal himself to you. And I thought religion has no answers for me. Mm -hmm. Like I it, like I was not open to God or Christianity. In fact, I was probably a very intimidating person. Um, you know, again, I work in a nightclub and I have all one length hair all the way down to my belt. Right. So <laughs> I did not look like the type of guy who would have been open to Christianity whatsoever. And, uh, and yet I, I was so miserable. I was working in a nightclub. I'm on the second story of the club, looking down on the dance floor, everybody's drunk or stoned out of their mind. And I remember like this moment of misery just came upon me. And it was like, I hate life. Mm -hmm. I hate this. What are we doing? Like what, this is the worst life ever. We're all faking happiness, mm -hmm. pretending just, distracting ourselves and I'm going to get stoned out of my mind this moment I'm done working. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like, um, I hate this. And all of a sudden the thought occurred to me from that one Christian friend, Peter, ask God to reveal himself to you right here and now. And so I, I, in a moment of desperation, I'm like, okay, I guess I'll pray. I literally backed away from my turntables and I, I didn't even know where to look up or down. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, uh, God, whoever you are, whatever you are, if you created the universe, then you should be powerful enough to show me what religion is the right religion. Just, you know, lightning bolts across the sky, Islam, mm -hmm. Buddhism, none of the above, just make it clear. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I prayed that prayer and I didn't even know how to end it. It was like, and done, and you know, like I have done mic drop. I don't know. You know, yeah. like I, I didn't even know, like, you know, how do you end a prayer? Yeah. And, uh, I'm not used to praying. And, uh, I finished the prayer and my next thought was like, wow, Peter, you are depressed. You're praying. Like my next thought was Peter, you need a smoke break. And so just being fully honest. <laughs> oh, and yeah. so I, I handed it off to my assistant, my turntables and went out for a smoke break. 
And on my way out of the nightclub, this dude came up to me like 30 seconds after I prayed my prayer. He like kind of tapped me on the arm and he said, hey, basically, I, I feel like I'm supposed to tell you Jesus has a plan for your life and he mm. wants you to follow him. Wow. And it so freaked me out. I'm like, Jesus? Like, Are you did Jesus? You just, yeah. Did you just say Jesus? <laughs> and, and I'm thinking about the prayer I just prayed 30 seconds earlier. Mm. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes, uh... And he just gave me the most awkward one minute gospel presentation. If you just would repent of your sin, God will give you an eternal buzz and mm. just this really odd. And I, I, he had no idea that I just mm. prayed this prayer. And so yeah. I finally, I was so scared that God had answered my prayer in 30 seconds that I literally just said, tell me what I'm supposed to do. Mm. And he kind of was like, uh, pray with me and come to church with me tomorrow. Mm. And I'm like, I felt like I have to do what he says because God answered my prayer. <laughs> yeah. And sure enough, I literally went to church with him the next day. I gave my life to Christ in the nightclub. The next day, that was it. I, I was, uh, I went to church and yeah. crazy. Yeah. That's just amazing. And did you ever ask that guy, like, did you just like feel like this? You were supposed to go to the nightclub or you were you just there? And then I, you all know of what a sudden? the funny thing was, is he, he actually was at a youth event where the evangelist started whipping him up hmm. into a friend, into a frenzy to go street witnessing. Oh, wow. And okay. he thought, where are sinners in a nightclub? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I literally went to church with this guy the next day and it, I found out the church that he brought me to was the same church that my wife girlfriend grew up in. Oh, wow. I had no That's idea. A small world. <laughs> and everybody came up to me. How's Carolyn? How's Carolyn after her father? Mm. And they were all praying for her. What I didn't know is they were all praying for her. She had led half the youth group to Christ. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. I didn't know that my wife was a church kid. And uh, I, I had no idea actually who mm. my girlfriend was. And everyone was praying for her because she's hanging out with this horrible guy named Peter Haas who's going <laughs> to drag her down. Actually, oh gosh. I was the collateral blessing of wow. all of the people praying for her. Mm. But I, I share all that because I'm sure there's a few listeners out there who, you know, they they maybe don't know God and and they're just they're open, but they they need to know God. Mm -hmm. um, just hey, ask God to reveal Himself to you, mm -hmm. or or maybe you're out there and you have a loved one who you're like you think to yourself, there's no way they're going to be open to God. Mm -hmm. You have no idea what God, if God can take Saul and turn him into Paul, you know, this mm -hmm. killer of Christians into the greatest, you know, evangelist, yeah. um, then God can do the same thing with any of our loved ones overnight. He did it with me. All my friends and family were like, what? Pete went for Jesus? Yeah. That's the weirdest yeah. thing ever. And so I, I just, I think there's a lot of people we think are beyond the saving grace of Christ, but I just want to challenge everybody. No, you have no idea what God can do. Don't, don't ever ever quit praying for the loved ones in your life because some of those loved ones are actually going to be the people that are going to pursue God so thoroughly. They're yeah. going to be the ones ministering to you yeah. someday. Mm -hmm. I am a firm believer that maybe this is not biblically sound, <laughs> but that God put that story of Saul going to Paul just to show I can use anyone. Yes. And there's nobody too far gone. It is for biblically me. sound. I, well, good. I feel affirmed <laughs> because it's just such a story of redemption. And I love that there's nobody that is too far 
for God yeah. to get. Yes, and it's God a takes beautiful the story foolish of that. things of yeah. this world to shame the wise. He just, yeah. he wants to flex. Mm-hmm. God loves to show off. Yeah, he really does. And music is still a huge part of your ministry. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, ironically, you know, even after, so after leaving the nightclub, I, I went to church and church was a little bit of a shock for me. I'm not going to lie. Because much of what we call contemporary worship is, well, let's just say it's contemporary to two decades ago. You know what I mean? Like it's not, you know, it wasn't what I was listening to mm-hmm, in the clubs. Mm-hmm. And, and yet, you know, because I had all these musical gifts, I, I could play every instrument. Um, I got suckered into worship. And after a while, I felt like the Lord wanted me to help kind of modernize worship a little bit. So mm-hmm. I, I, I would do, I started producing a lot of worship albums, but then ironically, the Lord um, started calling me to go back into nightclubs again, even after becoming a pastor. Mm. And so um, back in, cause I, I was writing electronic dance music on the side and I felt like the Lord was like, Hey, go back into the clubs, do a mainstream album, not a Christian album, but a, a Uh, let's do evangelistic worship. So Mm -hmm. it's covertly Christian. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's very much a Christian album, but it's covertly. And so we launched substance variant in 2017 and to my shock and amazement, it went all the way to number seven on the mainstream electronic dance music charts. Wow. And, um, I had no idea how much God wanted us kind of just getting out there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so ironically, it's, it's kind of fun to be out there reaching unchurched people because I, I think unchurched people are, there's a lot of people like me that are open to God. Yes. They're just, they just feel incompatible yes. with church yep. as they know it, or they perceive God to be embroiled in mm-hmm. politics. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they don't know how to kind of deconstruct politics and church. And so just... You know, uh, getting out there, uh, people are open. People are open. I want to pause on that for a minute because I feel like lately and in my personal life and in other people's lives, too, there is a a struggle of Christians who are living and working in what we would call secular environments and just really struggling with how do I be a Christian here? How do I show the light of Christ in this place. And you did a message, I think it was this last fall, I think, and it was about your biking. Oh yeah. Yeah. You were in this world with these, like you say, unchurched people and you still were able to minister to them. So I'm just wondering what encouragement do you have for people who might be really struggling and their, their hobbies, their passions are in a world where Christ really isn't present in a lot of ways. Well, obviously he's present everywhere, but you know, they're not talked about it. People aren't believers. And how do you still be the light for them? Totally. I think people overcomplicate evangelism mm. or they, they make evangelistic, they make evangelism toxic. Okay. Let me just, mm. let me just pause and say right now, there's a lot of Christians who they've kind of merged the gospel with politics a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And we all, and it's okay to be passionate about politics. I think there's a lot wrong with politics that in Christians need to get into it to represent Christ. But unfortunately, I think people are also the least teachable ever when it comes to politics. And so when we mix the gospel and politics, we people reject us. They're not actually rejecting the gospel. They're rejecting, they're rejecting our strange approach to Mm. Christianity. And so I'm always telling people, take a step back right now and, and, boil the gospel down to the basics. Mm. 
Everybody will eventually go through a personal crisis. And if we focused on eternity, not the U.S., mm-hmm. I think it'll it'll actually increase our fruitfulness. Okay, like so that. that's just yeah. a little side note. Yeah. Okay, now um, the going back to what you were sharing about, uns, like you were referencing my message on your spiritual gifts and your unspiritual gifts. Mm. I uh, oftentimes say, hey, the, the key to effective evangelism is your unspiritual gifts. And what do I mean by that? Okay, so God gave me electronic dance music as my unspiritual gift. And I realized actually that's a tool that he gave me for the gospel. Like, believe it or not, your unspiritual gifts, these things, like another gift that unspiritual gift he gave me, or call it a passion, Mm -hmm. is freestyle BMX. I used to compete in extreme sports. And uh, for for you, maybe the listener, you're out there and you're like, your unspiritual gift is scrapbooking, scrapbooking, <laughs> or your unspiritual gift is uh, watching TV. Some of you, you know who you are. You have a very unspiritual gift. But actually, God can use those things. Mm-hmm. And so I always say, what hobbies, gifts, and passions has God given you? Um, what people can you most naturally reach mm-hmm. that maybe also share those hobbies, gifts, and passions? And then how can you practically serve those people? And so right now, like, for example, some of our most effective small groups are, hey, somebody says, I love NFL football. B, I've got coworkers who love NFL football. I'm going to throw an NFL football party. And then somewhere in the midst of that party, I'm just going to be asking people, hey, what's going on in your life right now? Let's have real talk. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And maybe even offer to pray for those people. They're just using it as an evangelistic tool. So for example, me with Freestyle BMX, because I used to be really good at it, I would just go to skate parks and I would just ride with people. And then when they, they, there was a natural rapport and respect that they had from me because I could kind of out trick them. And then they would ask me to like, how did you do that trick? And then I, you know, over time, you know, it would take maybe one or two hours of BMX in order to have 10 minutes of spiritual real talk. Mm -hmm. I would just insert the gospel into it in a non-spooky way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, same thing with, with electronic dance music. Eventually, you know, life is designed to lead people to the Lord, right? I mean, everyone at some point is going to have a an identity crisis. They're yeah. going to have the death of a loved one. Yeah. They're going to have a financial misfortune. Um, God will create moments where people will become receptive to Christ. And if we're in people's lives present, mm-hmm. there's going to be that moment to say, hey, like I, I've very rarely, like you don't even have to be weird and, you know, and, you know, insert God into everything. All you got to yeah. do is like, hey, can I pray for you? Yeah. Like, hey, you're you're about to give birth. You know, your due date is coming up. I'm just going to be praying extra for you. Even if they're not a Christian, they'll be mm-hmm. like, I, they're not going to be like, no, don't yeah. pray for me. Unless, yeah. and, and even those people that I've had one or two people over my life do that. And, uh, and, and I'm like, you know, even then it's almost beautiful. I'll usually like kind of laugh it off and be like, that's okay. Then I, then I will not pray for you. You know, like we'll laugh about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then, and then the the truth is is a lot of those people, they'll still come back to me in the crisis, Uh, mm -hmm. you know, like, Hey, I was in a bad spot then. And so I'm always encouraging people, hey, there's a whole sphere of influence that only you have that nobody else has. There's Mm -hmm. non-Christians you know that nobody else knows. And if you made a list of them, say like 20 of them, Mm -hmm. of those 20, 
I believe that God has anointed you to reach maybe two or three of them. Mm. In other words, there's going to be people, there's going to be, I call it a divine flow. People that would be very, very easy for you to share your faith with. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, of the 20 non-Christians in your life, maybe there's only two or three that are open to God right now. Mm -hmm. But hey, identify who they are, so into them. And I'm, I'm just telling you, over your lifetime, you're going to lead a lot more people to Christ. But it's about identifying divine flow What with, with certain people, what are their needs and how can you practically meet mm -hmm. those mm -hmm. needs and boom, receptivity to the gospel yeah. is going to be there. Yeah. And I just love what you said about that. There will be an opportunity because yes. you're right. Everybody goes through loss. Everybody has an identity crisis. Something happens. And if you are continuing to be a light, even a subtle light in their life, yes. they will turn to you Absolutely, because you will have become, even if they understand it fully or not, this light they're drawn to in the safe spot, in this yep. comforter, and they're going to want to ask questions. They will. Yeah. Over, over time, they're, they're going to be, it's more about being present and it's about the long game instead of inserting ourselves into everyone's lives yeah. with awkward I mean, ironically, I was led to Christ by a street evangelist guy, <laughs> but I don't even think that's the most natural way to do it. I mm -hmm. think that's the exception rather than the mm -hmm. rule. And so it's more about being present and being led by the Holy Spirit in that moment of, hey, call that person. So if, if you're if you get a divine nudge mm -hmm. to call a person today, just do it. Yep. Just do it and just say, hey, I'm praying for you. Yeah. The, the simple act of following up with someone and just saying, hey, how can I just lift your burdens today? I'm just telling you, you can be a part of a person's testimony every single week by just following that Amen. still small nudge. Amen. That's so good. Oh, so good. Well, I want to switch gears here and yep. talk about your book, Broken ah, Escalators. Yes. You have provided us with some copies for a giveaway. So yeah. I'm super excited about that. And everyone stay tuned for some opportunities to get the book. But tell me about this book. So Broken Escalators, I so I, I started writing comedy books on spirituality. Mm -hmm. So I, I realized that a lot of people aren't readers. And so I thought, <laughs> what would be a book that would be written for non-readers, right? So yeah, like, yeah. like, I want people to laugh out loud every every other page at least right so i wrote a comedy book on spiritual growth and and broken escalators what it does is it focuses on the myths of happiness mm. and so what i do in the book so get this here's a stat for you that'll rock your world <laughs> of all i went through all of the secular happiness research done by psychologists mm -hmm. of what creates happiness is it is it money? Like, what is the correlation between if we were to have everyone rate their happiness? Do wealthy people rate themselves happier than non-wealthy people? Mm. Do married people rate themselves happier than non-married people? How about geography? Do mm -hmm. people in California who have a pool and a palm tree, <laughs> do they rate themselves happier than Minnesotans in February in the middle Probably. of a long winter? Right, <laughs> right, right. OK, I, I wanted to dive into that yeah. and get this. All those circumstantial things only affect your overall happiness by a grand total of 10%. Mm -hmm. In other words, extremely wealthy people who are good looking, who are married to good looking people, who have, have and do it all from a materialistic standpoint, mm -hmm. they only, that all of those things only affect happiness by a grand total of 10%. Mm. And so it, it begs the question, well then what accounts 
for the other 90% of happiness. If that's true, if money, marital status, how many kids you have, all these other things only affect happiness by a grand total of 10%, then why are we always praying for circumstantial things? Have you ever yeah. noticed that? Huh. Like, yeah. like, like as a pastor, people come up to me weekly at Substance and 90% of the prayer requests are about a circumstantial thing. Mm-hmm. If only I had a bigger house, yep. if only I could get pregnant, if mm-hmm. only my kids would love Jesus, if mm-hmm. only my, everybody has all of these circumstantial if onlys. And so it's actually a, so when we're, when our prayer lives are dominated by praying for circumstantial things that don't actually affect happiness, Mm. then it's actually a sign Mm. of a spiritual disease. And so what I do in the book is I dissect 10 myths, 10 spiritual diseases that we falsely think will lead us to happiness. And so kind of the, the, the book is, is actually, the book is all about all of the disasters in my life <laughs> where I would achieve these, these successes, these secular myths of success. And then, and then kind of rediscovering the biblical definition of success. Mm. So like, if you read the book, there's all these, like, uh, I've got these different myths. Like, um, one of them, myth number four is the California myth, the false idea that a geographical location will make our Mm. lives happier. Or, Mm. or like, for example, research shows that winning the lottery is actually the worst thing that could ever happen to you. I've heard that. Yeah. So like it increases your odds of divorce, murder, kidnapping, (laughs) depression. Depression, yeah. suicide. If you actually found the the correlative stats uh, for people that win the lottery, it would be, you would never even play the lottery. I'm mm. just saying. So, so which leads to myth number six. I call it the pot of gold myth, mm. and it's 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 just kind of unearthing these weird things that that drive all of our prayer lives and our decisions. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's so fun. I I really, so I'm reading through your first book right now. Yeah. And I really appreciate how you do bring the like light and humor into it with Mm, such like sound research. And I I was reading it and I give everybody this advice. Go read this out in public because people will ask you what you're reading (laughs) if you're like me, because I'll laugh out loud. I'll go, amen. (laughs) And my husband who isn't a reader, so maybe he would read it, is like, wait, what? What was funny? What, What was this? And so maybe at Caribou, someone will say, what's so funny over there? And well, laughing. you know how it is. <laughs> like I, I, to be honest, like so many, I, I get bored easily. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so I, I wanted to write a book that would make people laugh. I think there's an epidemic of a lack of joy. People just mm-hmm. need more joy. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and honestly, that's me, you know, people think that, you know, when they hear me share all my humor stories in the pulpit or in the book, um, you know, there's also a dark side. I, I, I have struggled with depression in the past and I've had to kind of come to terms with the joy of the Lord. And so in some ways, mm-hmm. um, when I wrote broken escalators, it was all of my weep sessions mm-hmm. and how God met me there and mm-hmm. then illuminated his joy his life. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I remember reading Solomon in, in the book of, of Ecclesiastes. He said in Ecclesiastes 6, 2, and this, this verse rocked me. He says, God gives a man wealth, possessions, and honor so that he lacks nothing his heart desires, mm-hmm. but 
He does not enable that man to enjoy it. Hmm. And in other words, God, God can actually give us all sorts of material success, wealth, possessions, and honor, and yet not enable us mm -hmm. to enjoy those things. Well, it's almost like God has an enjoyment switch he can turn off in our lives. Think about that. And, and it begs the question, well, why would God turn off our enjoyment switch? Well, if he knows that we're pursuing these things instead of him, if we're, we're basically, we're pursuing myths of happiness, idols, that's what an idol is, mm -hmm. is it's a false source mm -hmm. of peace or happiness. If he knows that we're pursuing them more than him, then guess what? He's going to turn off that enjoyment in our lives until we realize Psalm 62, one, mm -hmm. your soul finds rest in God alone. Yeah. And so he'll purposefully put us in mm -hmm. circumstances where we're out of control until we realize, oh, let's serve a God who controls it all. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, boom, mm -hmm. joy, peace, life. And, yeah. and so that's kind of how the, the book is really kind of a surgery, if you will, mm -hmm. to surgically extract those if onlys in our lives. Mm -hmm. If only I was married, if only I was this or that. Yeah. If only I could lose weight. If only I had this much more in my bank account. If only my boss was and my coworkers were. You know, all of these things we condition our happiness upon. And God says, no, your happiness is all about me. In mm -hmm. my presence is fullness of joy, mm -hmm. the Bible says. Yeah. Then how do we find his presence? Mm -hmm. That's really the question. That's really what we should be praying for is just yeah. more of God. Yeah, because what I'm hearing you say is that there's a difference between happiness and joy. Yes. There's a difference between yes. happiness of I'm having the best time with my family today at an amusement park versus yep. I have this deep joy yes. from the Lord yes. in me. And that's counterintuitive because it's not circumstantial. Mm -hmm. And it begs the question, well, how do you know if you're ready for God to flip on your enjoyment switch? It's this, mm -hmm. your prayers. If your prayer life is dominated by praying for circumstantial things, that's a sign you're out of sync with God. Mm -hmm. And let me just share that again, that's because yeah. your, your prayers actually reveal your pathologies. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now if I was a spiritual doctor, which I kind of am as a pastor, <laughs> if, if your prayer life is dominated by asking God for things, God, I need a better house, a new car. It, that, it's a sign we're out of sync because here's the thing. Matthew 6, 8 says, God knows what we need even before we ask. Mm -hmm. He already knows what we actually need. And Philippians 4, 19 says, he will provide all we need according to his glorious inheritance in the saints. He's got so much, he could just pour it on us in a second. The Bible says he just opens up his hand and he satisfies the desires of every living thing. How hard is it to open up your hand? Yeah. It's, it's the simplest thing ever. So then it begs the question, well, why? It's, it's not that God is holding out on us. It's that God knows if he gave us the things we're praying for, mm -hmm. he's reinforcing idolatry in our lives. Hmm. Think about it. Mm -hmm. Like he's actually, he, he's setting up a situation where we falsely think those things will give us happiness. And so he's and so like, I, cause if we really believe that ha our souls find rest in God alone, Psalm 62, one, you know, the, one of the few things we'd be praying more than anything else, it would be this, God, give me more of you. Mm 
God, give me just more of your life. And instead of praying for a spouse, we'd be praying for the character worthy of a spouse. Mm. Instead of praying for more money, we'd just be praying for stewardship mm. worthy of more money. Instead mm -hmm. of praying for influence, we would just be praying for intimacy with God that could sustain greater influence. And then when we finally figure that out, God's like, Oh, finally, they get it. I already want <laughs> to bless them. Most patient father. Yeah, yeah, God's up in heaven saying, if you had any clue, I want to bless you with things that are 10 times nicer yeah. than the things you're yeah. praying for. Oh my gosh, loved one, now, now that you get it, now I can trust you with these things without worrying that you're going to bow down and worship them. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And I feel like all of that goes back to faith. It does. And, and this faith of understanding that God's timing is more perfect than anything we could come up with. I felt that totally. in my life personally. I was really frustrated with God a couple of years ago. And I was like, I have all these dreams and I feel like you gave me these dreams. Yes. Why aren't they coming true? And he goes, McKelty, if I gave you the dreams that you have right now, do you think you could handle it? Come do on. you think you would be ready? Come on. And I said, no. No, I don't. And he was like, that is why I haven't given those to you yet. Yes. So trust my timing, trust my abilities, trust yes. that I can see further than you. Yes. And having that is this contentment of knowing that, okay, yep. he's got it. And I just have to take every step in a, a small act of obedience. And I yep. think that goes for so many people is it we does. have desires, especially when we feel like God has a calling on our life and we want that now, but we have to take steps to prepare. It's like a marathon. You got to prepare for that marathon. You can't just run it in a day. If you can, you are impressive. Right. I am not on right. that place, but it's faith. Well, people, people want shortcuts mm -hmm. all the time, not realizing how self-destructive some of those shortcuts are. Mm -hmm. And so like, for let me, let me give you an example. I've always said uh, a happy single person is a happy married person. Mm -hmm. If you're not content as a single, you're not going to be content once God gives you that spouse. In yep. fact, actually opportunity doesn't change your character. It will challenge it. Mm -hmm. So the same thing is true about like promotion. So for example, mm -hmm. I remember as a youth pastor, I worked for various senior pastors and I'm thinking, Oh, I wish I could make that decision. Mm -hmm. You know, like when you have a boss, sometimes you think you could kind of do it better than your boss. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure nobody out there <laughs> no ever, ever other that. than me. But <laughs> I, I remember thinking like, Oh, if only I could, well, guess what? God, God gave me my boss's job. I became a senior pastor against mm -hmm. all odds. And mm -hmm. I, and I, I thought in my life, promotion would make my life simpler or happier. If only if I had a bigger budget to control a bigger income, mm -hmm. my life would be happier or simpler. And guess what? The, the, that, that season of my life, when I got the promotion of my life actually was the most miserable. I had mm -hmm. no idea. Mm -hmm. how much lead pastors had to deal with, yeah. how many people would whine. And people came out of dark crevices to complain to me about everything in the church. And I'd just be like, ironically, I started wishing for my old youth pastor job back mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. although I had, although I had 10 times the budget to manage, I had a hundred times the politics. Mm -hmm. And so if you do the math, mm -hmm. I actually had less. I had less time than ever before. And so I always tell people, hey, promotion never makes your life simpler or happier. It just, it, it actually, there's a burden that comes along with it. And God knows that, mm -hmm. which is why ultimately, let's kind of change the way we pray. I mean, we pray for a, a dream house, 
But what we think, we never think that our dream house, we never think about the more square footage to clean, mm-hmm. right? Everybody's praying that, that God will give them that baby, right? But then all of a sudden when that baby's crying, then we're, God, make them sleep through the night. <laughs> you know, like our blessings become our curses, which become our blessings, which become our curses. And at some point, we need to step off the treadmill of happiness and mm-hmm. say, okay, right now, in his presence is fullness of joy. Right now, in yeah. the midst of our imperfect circumstances, yeah. God has fullness of joy. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna come with that paycheck or that opportunity. And once we've totally allowed God to lavish us in his love, mm-hmm. it actually makes us promotable which is why I say never pray for promotion, pray for promotability. Mm. I'll tell pastors, don't ever pray for church growth, pray mm-hmm. for growability. Mm-hmm. You know, again, don't pray for finances, pray for character and stewardship worthy of more finances. Yeah, and yep, that's boom, good. That's good. That's when your life will all of a sudden get on the fast track. Yeah. I, but 100% believe it. It's so good. You know, it, but it's hard. It is so hard. I mean, because let's be honest, we always have that next level, don't we? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you, but when I when God answers a prayer, what do you do? You go on worrying about the next the thing. The next thing, absolutely. And you I mean, know? that's, I mean, statistically, you look at people like you were mentioning who, oh, I, do, I just want to have be married. You're married. Oh, I just want to have kids, <laughs> totally. then I'll be happy. Oh, I just want my kids to leave the house, then I'll be happy. You know, totally, it just totally. keeps spiraling. So what does it look like to have true contentment, true happiness, or joy in yep. those moments? Right, which, so which to be honest, I think we, we need friends in our lives who can kind of diagnose absolutely. the myths. Yep. Which part of the reason why, I mean, so I read broke or I wrote Broken Escalators to kind of be like a small group book because mm. actually half of the lessons that I learned there were, it was me having this conversation with my poor wife where I'm pining and I'm discontent. Like, mm. Carolyn, if, why isn't this happening? Why isn't music happening? Why isn't, you know, and I, I'd be like, or, or why does it feel like promotion is happening for the friend? you know, but not for you. Why does your dork friend get your dream job, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You're trying to get pregnant, it's not happening, and then Fertile Myrtle is cranking out 12 babies, and you're like, what the heck, God? Like, sometimes life doesn't feel fair, right? And Mm -hmm. how do you deal with that moment? I think, so my wife had to, you know, she's probably a little more biblically connected to the Lord, you know, like she's more in tune (laughs) with the Holy Spirit than I am. And she'd just be like, Peter, let's just worship the Lord together. And and, and I, I didn't realize how much her desire to worship in between promise and power was the solution God was trying to train me. Mm. And so now, like even right now, uh, like McKelty, like this last week, we, we or a couple of weeks ago, we found our dream home. <laughs> and so we thought in order to get our dream home, we got to sell our house. So we sold our house. Well, the dream home fell through. Mm. So now we're in between, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> what like, did we do? We sold our house. Wait, you know, and then, and then we made an offer on another house. It just fell through again. Now, previous Peter would have been devastated. Mm-hmm. Previous Peter would have been like on a roller coaster of grieving for like six months. And I would have been like, God, where are you? Um, Like now I'm like, like I'm always looking for the divine adventure in everything. Like God, I think you're out there. Mm-hmm. I know you're in this. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to worry. I'm, I'm strapped into a roller coaster that I didn't fully expect, 
But right now, God, I know that the next loop to loop is meant to bring me joy, mm -hmm. not suffering. Yeah. And so I might as well look at the person next to me on the roller coaster and start laughing and throw my hands in the air. Mm -hmm. And some of you out there, you're listening and you're in the middle of a circumstance that you never expected to be in. Maybe, maybe you're divorced and you never thought you were going to be divorced. Yeah. Maybe you just lost your job and you're in a transition you never expected to be in. And let me just tell you something. God is with you. He loves you. And, yeah. and he's got you strapped in and rest assured the roller coaster will come to an end. Mm -hmm. And at some point you're going to look back and you're going to say, whoa, what you were revealing in my life is so beautiful. I would not do it any other way. Yeah. I mean, Psalm 23 says you walk through the valley, not yes. you sit in it. You God puts you through it. Amen. And so Amen. it's just having that faith that you're with me through this valley yes. and not we're going to camp out here. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, it's yeah. temporary. It's, <laughs> it's temporary. temporary. And I think that being, you know, in my late 40s, I'm now at that point where I have enough life experience to say, OK, God will get me through this. He got me through a lot of those other hardships. Mm -hmm. A lot of my worst case scenarios have already happened in life mm. and they weren't as bad as I thought. Mm. They were bad for a season, but actually, okay. So in my book, Broken Escalators, mm -hmm. I actually found that people who survive cancer rate their lives consistently happier than people who hmm. have not gone through traumatic events. Wow. Actually, wow. like people that like they, they did all these studies on people before and after serious trauma, like the mm -hmm. death of a spouse or the loss of a limb, like mm -hmm. severe disabilities. Mm -hmm. And ironically, happiness research shows that happiness actually increases after traumatic events. And mm. so it kind of caused all these people to say, why, what is it? What, what is it? And actually Christians even embracing trauma is actually different than non-Christians. So there's, there's, you know, like when Paul says, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Yep. In other words, Christians grieve differently. Mm -hmm. And there is an element of, they found that church, church attendees rate themselves 22% higher than, than, people who attend church inconsistently mm. or people that volunteer in a weekly ministry rate themselves seven times happier than people who don't volunteer at a weekly ministry at their local church. So there's all of these, this, this data out there saying, Hey, there's God wants to be in your life. God wants to change things, mm -hmm. but God can even take trauma and make you into a happier person as a result of it. And so yeah. ironically, um, suddenly we start taking on the attitude of James of, Hey, maybe we should give thanks in the middle of our trials. Maybe yeah. our, wh what if your tragedy was your greatest triumph? Mm -hmm. I, like I yeah. actually, there's biblical evidence to yeah. suggest that he wants to use those things. So, Hey, God never it's wastes good. pain. It's good. It's so good. I mean, I feel like I could sit and keep talking for five hours about <laughs> this. <laughs> yeah. I am just so thankful again for you able just to sit and share all your wisdom, share about your book. Is there anything before we wrap up here that you're like, I didn't say this and I really wanted to. Well, you know, I, I think at the end of the day there there's, I, I will say this, the power of church attendance in the midst of happiness is a theme that I kept finding in the secular research, hmm. major university studies, finding that 
one of the keystone predictors of happiness and joy in life, ironically, is unique to Christians. Okay, so like I mentioned, 22% less likely to struggle with depression if you attend church weekly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sexual satisfaction. Here's a stat that'll kind of mess with you. <laughs> Sexual satisfaction. They actually, there was a University of Chicago study that found that that orgasm rates skyrocketed with consistent church attendance. How, really? Yes. How bizarre is <laughs> That's that? So funny. I know. I know. That'll grow your church, right? I mean, that'll. <laughs> Put that on the side outside. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> membership classes. You know, like I, everybody, when they hear that stat, where's your membership class at? No, but I, I, there's something about Christian community mm-hmm. that has a dramatic impact on, on joy and personal satisfaction. People that go through trauma who are plugged in and have like four to seven friends and a weekly ministry mm-hmm. have a totally different perspective of trauma than people who do not have four to seven best friends who are Christians. Mm-hmm. And so I think investing in community is absolutely essential. And I think yeah. that's especially important after everybody went through COVID, we yeah. all went through social isolation. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of people who had a lot of their relationships broken down and distanced. We lost a lot of sense of community. I mean, yeah. there's a one third of the body of Christ stopped going to church after COVID. Think about that. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's a lot of, and I would call them like podcaster Christians that, you know, maybe they're listening to this podcast <laughs> and, and you, you think that, hey, maybe just listening to God's word or listening to a spiritual growth thing is a, is a substitute for Christian friends and Christian community and ownership in a local church. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Um, the research shows that people who listen to sermons Um, have a completely different quality of joy as people who do life with four to seven Christian friends and have ownership in a local church. Mm -hmm. And so I would tell people, hey, listen, there's only so much joy you can have in receiving. At some point, Jesus said it himself, there's more blessing in giving than there is in receiving. Mm -hmm. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Mm-hmm. Proverbs eleven twenty five. Right? These are these are scriptures that we've all heard quoted to us, but I think sometimes we miss the the, the communal component of the gospel um, that actually reveals Christ is plugging ourselves in. And let's be honest. I mean. Sometimes it's hard to find Christian community because it evolves, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, like even you graduating out of college, Mm -hmm. right? Your friends, it changed. When you got married, when you went from single to marriage, Mm -hmm. you you had to reinvest in all different friendships because maybe you had a good friend, but your spouse didn't. Or you have to reinvest in relationships every two years. Mm -hmm. And so I, I say that because I just have this sense that maybe there's a few listeners out there who... They need to, this is a reinvestment season for them. Maybe you had good fellowship two years ago, but um, it's not the same now that you've had kids Mm -hmm. or it's not the same now that you've gotten that new job, now that you've made that move. Mm -hmm. And it's time to kind of reinvest in getting ownership in that local church, wherever that is for you. And um, so if that's you, I'm just telling you, there's a lot you can gain in by way of joy. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the blessings we always sing about, you know, 
know, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus, right? Well, that blood flows through the body of Christ. And who's the body? It's the people of God, mm -hmm. not the church service. Amen. Amen. So. I love that. My husband always says the times you don't want to go to church is when you need church the most. Yes. So and, uh, he's yes. right. Every time I'm crabby on a Sunday, I don't want to go. And I walk into church, I walk through the doors and I'm already crying. So it's, it's just because I needed something. It's true. And, and, and even did, as a pastor, yeah. <laughs> even as a pastor, there are a mm -hmm. lot of times where I'm like, oh, I don't want to go to church. Yeah. <laughs> and which I know is very disconcerting when you're thinking about a preacher. But <laughs> tired. It's a Sunday morning, crabby, yes. late night. I yeah. get it. <laughs> you got your kids, you know, and, and even my kids were like, Dad, do we have to go to church? And I'd be like, shut up, get in the <laughs> yeah, car. Just get you know, the like, car. You know, and then smile when we get there. <laughs> yeah, right. And, you know, fake it till you make it. <laughs> I, it but, but you know what happens? I All of a sudden, I run into that friend. Mm -hmm. Dude, how you doing? Mm -hmm. and, even, and even me, I know this will be shocking, but I'm naturally introverted. That is shocking. <laughs> and I have a little bit of social anxiety. And, but the moment I'm in the moment, mm. God meets me and my friends disarm me. Mm -hmm. I walk away way more charged up than I expected. I say to myself, that wasn't as bad as I thought. Yeah. You know, and, and I just, I think that's a word for some people just to kind of get out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. The key to success is kill that comfort zone. Yeah. Don't, it's, it's the opposite of how you feel. Get out of the ditch and get into, sometimes ministry is what liberates us from the tyranny of our overly magnified needs. Mm -hmm. We think to ourselves, I don't need that right now. Actually, you know what you need is you need to serve people. Mm -hmm. And that's where God is going to pour out. You know, sometimes yeah. you need something bigger than your needs. Mm -hmm. you, you need something bigger than your problems. And what's that? It's serving other people. Mm -hmm. And suddenly you're liberated. You're like, oh yeah, maybe my problems aren't as big. You get to church and you meet that person whose problem is 10 times worse than yours. You know, oh wow, mm -hmm. my first world problems. I poured cereal and I didn't realize I ran out of milk. <laughs> you know, God, yeah. why have you forsaken me? Yeah. And then you get to church and then you realize, oh, that person just got diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. And you're like, God, all of a sudden, it just changes your perspective. Mm -hmm. And I just think maybe there's a few of you out there, you need that shift in perspective. And um, sometimes you can only get that by living in community with other people. Yeah. So And to challenge the comfort zone too. Sometimes yeah. your comfort zone is really the enemy trying to hold you back. It is. And so to, to bust out of that. Yes. So, so good. Again, could talk for hours, yes. but thank you for, for sure. just sharing. And again, for all of these awesome books and we'll do a giveaway and I'm sure people will be thrilled. <laughs> Everyone loves a giveaway, Amen. right? Amen. <laughs> but thank you again. Absolutely. Such an honor. Thank you for joining us for this episode of E to the Power of Three. We were honored to hear from Pastor Peter Haas on finding true happiness. Learn more about Pastor Peter and check out his blog and resources, including the book Broken Escalators at peterhaas.org or by following Peter Haas One on social media. You can also learn more about Bridging the Gap at mnbtg.org by downloading the Bridging the Gap app through your app store or by following mnbtg on social media. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to being with you next time on E to the Power of Three.